Welcome to this week's message from Crosspoint Community Church. You can find us on the web at crosspointonline.org. There, you can find links to our social media accounts. Led by Pastor Mike Deese, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Now presenting this week's message. The title of the message, as you see on your outline, uh, is uh, what it takes to really change. What it takes to really change. And we're going to look at six principles for lasting change uh, today. But uh, really, after I prepared this message uh, yesterday, I added a seventh one. So I'm going to go ahead and give you that one. It's not on your outline. And it is, uh, f- it is finding out that you're going to have a granddaughter. Granddaughter, yeah. Uh, so, uh, if you want more information on that, uh, you got to befriend somebody and see some Facebook or Instagram or something like that kind of stuff. Or talk to Felicia; she'll give you all the details. But I went to my first reveal uh, party yesterday. Ladies, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, what it takes to really change. Um, one of the universal, and I was just kidding about the seventh. Y'all stick with the six that are on the outline. Um, I mean, it is uh, one of the universal desires of human beings, and that is to improve. We want to grow. We want to get better. Um, and uh, all we have to do is be reminded of, you know, uh, of the billions that are spent every year on projects and products and gizmos and gadgets and all that kind of stuff. But unfortunately, uh, so much of that just doesn't last. Uh, some of them don't even work at all. And uh, so the question is, and that, that we probably even ask ourselves, is, is there anything uh, that really can bring about lasting change in my life or permanent change in my life? Is there ever really true transformation that can come to me, not just to others, but to me uh, in the deepest part of my life? And the answer is yes. As we look to God's Word, we see that that is the owner's manual. If we really want to know uh, the answers to any question in life, then all we need to do is simply go to the handbook of life and look to the Creator of life. And so this has been available to us throughout our life, and though some of us and most of us have struggled with changes in our life or that transformation, God in His love is reminding us today of what it takes to really change. So Really, the classic text in Scripture on how to change uh, in the book of uh, Romans is Romans chapter 12. It's a passage of Scripture that uh, many of you are very familiar with, and we're going to look at uh, these passages today, and we're going to look at it verse by verse. Romans chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. So if you will read along with me. The Apostle Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. And then in the next few verses, he talks about the different gifts in the body of Christ. And now pick up with me in verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, 
faithful in prayer. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we just thank You for this day and the opportunity for us to come before You and to sit at Your feet. We ask that through our time today that we'd not just gather information, but that we would come and humble ourselves before You to experience Your presence, experience You, so that You can fill us with Your purpose and Your love and your joy, and your truth, that you can, Lord, fill us with the faith and the assurance that you're still at work in our lives. Lord, as we look in our broken world, we just uh, sometimes are tempted to just kind of lose hope or give up or just coast, and yet you are inviting us. No matter where we are in our journey of life, you're inviting us to abundant life and to experience your good, pleasing, and perfect will. Thank you for that, for that wonderful invitation today. Jesus, please teach us through your Spirit. And we make it our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to look at lasting change. So just to ask God throughout this, throughout this um, uh, message and throughout this time, just be going, all right, Holy Spirit, all right, God, what are you wanting to change in my life? Now, you've, you're already thinking about some things that you, you want to see changed and, and may have to do with somebody else, but stop. What does God want to change in your life? What does God want to change in my life? And then just be asking Him. Be asking Him. And He'll reveal that to you. All right, number one. What it takes to really change. Six principles of lasting change. Commit my body to God. Commit my body to God. This is this, and, and we're going to call it the principle. Here you can write beside it the principle is the principle of dedication. Uh, this is the principle of dedicating my life and my body to God. Uh, that's a starting point. For, and, and here's the reality for any change to happen in my life, whether it's financial, vocational, educational, relational, wh whatever it may be, it, it's best starts with the body. It best starts with the physical. Now, why is, it, why is that true? Because God lets us know, and in and, 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 and other ways we know that uh, our bodies affect our behavior. Our, our bodies uh, affect our moods. Our muscles affect our moods. Our muscles affect our motivation. There's so much about our bodies that affects the rest of us. And that's what, that's what he's saying in this particular verse. Now, teachers understand this. Teachers could tell us this because teachers know that when a child comes into the classroom and they're, you know, slumping and slouching, you know, at the desk, that they're probably not in a place uh, of learning, being ready to learn. Our bodies tell a whole lot. Read any book on body language, posture, and things like that, and it will just remind us and reinforce this reality that physiology can affect psychology. You know, so what's going on with our bodies? So let me just, for example, prove this to you. All right, you ready? This is an interactive kind of service. All right, everybody just sit straight up right now. Sit up, put your hands in your lap, roll your shoulder just a little bit. Tess, I'm not doing it right. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and uh, now just stop. Now take a slow, deep breath. Hold it in just for a minute. Now just kind of let it go. All right. Now, I'm not sure if you feel better, but you look a whole lot better, you know. Um, so, you know, and, and here's the deal. I can guarantee you that you're more attentive now than you were, you know, five seconds ago. Um, because our bodies do send messages to our brains. Now, here's what God says in, in Romans 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies... As living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, uh, this is your spiritual act of worship. Now, if, uh, every one of these verses, every one of these verses are packed, are packed with so much information. Uh, and yet, we're just going to be able to hit some of the highlights on this. But it starts off with this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers... So here's just a Bible tip. Here's a Bible tip that you can carry with you. Anytime you see a therefore in the Bible... You need to stop and find out what it's there for. You get that? 
All right, some of you see, see, now, if I, if I had, listen, I don't think anybody would have got that, you know, if we hadn't have done the little gyrations and stuff like that. Okay, you need, okay, what it's really saying is, in light of everything that I've said, in light of all that I've said, and what had Paul said, he had said 11 chapters of stuff. And then there's no way that we can even do any kind of quick review of that 11 chapters. I mean, I, I uh, preached through Romans uh, one time, just straight through Romans, and it took me a year and a half. You know, so it's just ridiculous. But uh, he, for, he says, therefore, what? In light of what? And in and, and those verse 11 and chapters, he was saying, here, God did this, and God did this, and God did this. And God did this. And by the way, God did this and this and this. And look at this good thing God did and this good thing God did. And did you know God did this and this and this? And He says, now, therefore, therefore, because of all that God has done in you and for you. Uh, um, And so He's saying, offer your bodies. Offer your bodies. Isn't that something? Uh, Because everything that God has done for us uh, affects our bodies. And, and, um, you know, we talked about this last week when we were talking about our bodies, and this is one of the reasons it's important for us to embrace this Daniel plan so that we can get God's view and God's truth as far as how we function spiritually, emotionally, physically, financially, relationally, every way. Offer your bodies. The Old Testament and New Testament remind us that our bodies are good. There's a lot of bad things that can happen to our bodies and a lot of bad things we do to our bodies, but our bodies are not evil. We, that's what we were looking at last week. God created my body. Jesus paid for my body. The Holy Spirit lives in my body. My body is connected to God's family. My body is going to be resurrected. You know, the bottom line is that it's a good thing. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy to offer... To offer your bodies. Now, um, that word offer just simply means this. It is not forced. It is not obligatory. It is voluntary. Offer. You know, offer. Offer your bodies to God. Uh, That means God's not going to force you to do that. But He's saying, I want you to do that. And, and we need to understand this, that when it comes to our relationship with God, He's not going to force us. And so we should know if God is not going to force us, that we can't force nobody else. I can't force you. You know, I can't alter you. You know, and that's where a lot of marriages are, you know. Uh, and used to, in, in, in the days where I grew, in, grew up, you know, the bride would come down, you know, the aisle to the altar, and then you know, you'd you know, be singing a song and she'd come down to the altar and then everything would kind of go from there. But I think that's given all of us a little bad idea thinking that we can alter. Oh, I think I'm going to alter him. <laughs> we don't alter anybody. And this is God saying, uh, God saying, listen, through Paul, offer your bodies, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. So um, the problem with living, uh, well, let me back up and just say this. This kind of gives us the first law of change. The first law of change, you might write this somewhere in your notes, is this. Change is, is a choice. Change is a choice. It's a choice that we make. Um, he says, therefore, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. The problem with living sacrifices, you remember that? What's the problem in living sacrifice? They can crawl right off the altar. <laughs> and, and the deal is, is that a lot of times, you know, in the old days would say, you know, on, we come to church on Sundays and sing uh, Onward Christian Soldiers, and then on Mondays we go AWOL. You know, and we think, well, hey, you know, I offered my body, you know, I gave my life to God, you know, way back when, and, and then, uh, and we go, oh, no, no, it's, it's a two, three, five, 10, 20 times a day that we're offering our bodies as living sacrifices. Every time that that we are tempted to go our way or the world's way, that's when we offer our bodies 
as living sacrifices. And the, and, and the Bible helps us to understand that as we do this, that we are actually worshiping God. These are acts of worship with your bodies. You can worship God with your bodies. Here's three, three quick ways. Just, just be reminded of this. Number one, I can worship God uh, by just cleansing my body. You know what that's talking about? Detox. <laughs> In other words, not, not just that's not the only way, but by cleansing my body. You know, it's really, it's making adjustments to the stuff that I'm putting in it. And, and that's some of the stuff that we're learning through the Daniel plan, that there are things that we're doing to poison our bodies, the, some of the junk that we're doing with it. But we can worship God by offering our bodies as living sacrifices to, to Him. 2 Corinthians 7.1, you might write that down, says, Let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates the body and the Spirit. Perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. And, and in that verse, you need to notice the motivation. Let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates the body, perfecting holiness out of reverence from God. I just want to be holy before God. Per well, what it's just reminding us of is the things that contaminate our bodies is the things that come through our mouth, the things that we eat or we take or we drink through our mouth. And the things that contaminate you know, our, our spirit are the things that we watch or the things that, that we see or that we listen to. He says, purify yourselves from that. But I, So I can do that. I can worship God by... Cleansing, cleansing. Second, I can worship, uh, an act of worship with my body is by caring for my body. Caring for your body is just an act of stewardship uh, that is a remind, that's a daily reminder that I don't own me, uh, God owns me. So I'm caring for what God has entrusted to me. Uh, Ephesians 5.29 puts it like this. No one hates his own body, at least not in his right mind, but no one hates his own body, but lovingly cares for it just as Christ cares for His body, which is the church. So caring for my body in, 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 in ways that what I do, what I eat, what I... Uh, do with my time and exercise or whatever the case is. These are things that we're looking at as we are going deeper in the Daniel plan. Number three, another a third way of, of worshiping through my body is by controlling my body. Cleansing it, caring for it, controlling it. Now, there, there are a lot of people, there are a lot of people out there that you're kind of thinking, well, I know a lot of people that cleanse their body, they care for their body, uh, and they control their body, but is that really worship? No, but they, a lot of people are doing it out of pride, right? Because it's all about me, and the focus is on me. That, then that's not worship. But when there's a motivation that is because of God's love and, and my love for Him, then these become spiritual acts of worship. 1 Thessalonians 4, 4 says this, Each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable. 1 Corinthians 9, 27, Paul puts it like this, I discipline my body like an athlete training it to do what it should. If we do that, if we, if we do what these verses are saying, do, do you think that we have a whole lot less health problems? Probably so. I was reading an article on health, and, and I'm not exactly sure what it was saying, but just the one sentence in there that caught my attention, it said, 75% of the two point whatever trillion of the U.S. health care costs, 75% stems from chronic diseases which can be prevented by lifestyle choices. And I didn't like that. This, this stuff, this crisis, this you know, the stuff that we're dealing with is a result of not cleansing, not caring for, not controlling our bodies. And now you're going, hey, let's get off the, let's get off the body. Let's get off of that. Why are we starting there with the physical? Uh, well, because here's the deal. Any change that happens in our lives goes through our bodies. 
is kind of the conduit. It's like, how many of you said, man, I want to go to church this morning? Oh, look, you're here whether you wanted to or not. So you said, I want to go to church. Well, how did you get here? Well, most of you, did anybody walk today? Anybody walk? Most of you came via vehicle. Now, God has given us this vehicle, and so all the stuff that we're going to be doing in life, He's given us this vehicle. So He wants us to start by just worshiping Him. You know, bottom line is, um, you know, every change does require our bodies, and it requires energy. Have you ever felt too tired to change? One person put it like this, you know, we, man, you know, life is just tough and you know, we're tired and we come home and all we want to do is watch dancing with the stars instead of us dancing under the stars. And that's what God's called us to, to, to enjoy the life He's given us. Number two, refocus my mind. Refocus my mind. You can call this the principle of concentration. Principle of con- I must refocus my mind. Look what Paul says in this verse. He says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be what? Wait, what? Now let's say on three, let's say it. One, two, three. That's good. That's better. Uh, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Principle number two. What it's saying here is uh, we've got to stop thinking about what we don't want. We spend way too much time on that. We need to start thinking about what we do want. We need to stop focusing on what's bad and start focusing on what's good. Stop focusing on our plan and start focusing on God's plan. Stop focusing on what others want of you and focus on what God wants of you. Refocus my mind. Boy, this is a powerful verse too. All of these are just so powerful. But first it says, do not conform. Now, we've spent a lot of time. Do not conform. Here's what what God is saying to all of us today. Do not conform. That means don't copy. Too often, you know, we let everybody else shape our lives. Let me ask you, have any of you ever done anything stupid because others were doing it? Thanks for your confession. <laughs> hey, yeah, I mean, think about it. That's, I mean, you know, we do all this stuff. It is because we see others doing it, and we're conforming to what others are doing. You know, it's like, you know, uh, I mean, I, one person was trying to quit smoking. They said, I, I never started smoking because I thought the smell of smoke was so wonderful, inhaling that was wonderful. No, I did it because it was kind of cool and others were doing it. And then all of a sudden, I, I, I can't stop now because I'm now addicted. We're conforming. He says, and then, you know, we can talk about that in any number, just hundreds of things. He says, do not conform for how long? Any longer. Do not conform any longer. Um, When we do something for a long time, it becomes a habit. We start off copying the behaviors of others and it becomes a habit. And when we've done it a long time, we're we're no longer copying uh, or conforming. We're, we're, We're addicted. It's our habit. It's our hurt. It's our hang up. It's our compulsion. He said, don't do this any longer. He said, you've, you've been doing this. He said, don't do it any longer. What? Do not conform any longer What to the pattern of this world. To the pattern of this world. And the point is this. Everything that we've learned in life, we've learned through some pattern. We've learned through a model. You know, it's a it's a it's a pattern. I was talking to a, a new dad uh, at um, uh, one of the companies I go by and check on, and uh, he's just a wonderful guy, and and uh, they just love this. I think he, their their son just turned like four months old. And, you know, they're going to the pediatrician and stuff like that, and you know, he early on, you know, after the baby was born, he was just all vibrant. And now I see him, and he's kind of like. I say, how'd I sleep going? <laughs> Ain't going great, you know. And he goes, yeah. 
okay, we're, and they started using all these pediatric terms and stuff like that, but basically what he said was this. We're having to let them cry. And, you know, everything, mom and all that, you just think I'm hurting and I've got to let them cry because they are already learning the cause and effect. And I, but even that baby, that little baby knows. It's going to figure it out. Mama, me cry, mama come. Me cry, mama come. Me cry, mama come. Me, you know, we could probably make a country song out of that. Um, whatever. All right, so... How did I get there? Uh, we learn these patterns. Now here's the here's the bottom line. We've we are a product of a lot of that, unless there's some type of intervention. And so all of us have grown up learning some through this broken pattern. You know, for some of us, our our pattern for conflict resolution is not very good. We we've learned from models uh, uh, of anger management. Growing up, not very healthy. Models for eating, not very healthy. With these models that we've had in our life, you know, how we use our mouth, not very healthy. Just a lot of the models and, and a lot of the patterns that we grew up with were just defective. Uh, maybe dysfunctional. Um, I had a conversation with someone uh, yesterday. We, we had a party for Felicia's uh, uh, father who n turned 90 years old. It was a real precious time and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, invited a bunch of his friends and folks like that. And we were scared that the snow was going to keep them off. But it, it didn't affect too many of them. But uh, one, one of the folks that there that we were kind of surprised being there as they were leaving, you know, they, and, and I've known them now for 20 or 25 years. And he goes, yeah. Yeah, we're now, we just now kind of honorary members of the D's family, you know, and, I, and, and he said, uh, I just embrace that. And I said, that's good. I said, God knew that you needed some dysfunction in your life. <laughs> you go, you don't, you're our preacher. You shouldn't talk like that. You're dysfunctional too. You're broken too. Now, we're not just saying, okay, we don't need to change. We're just saying we're not perfect. There is no perfect model in this world other than the one that came from heaven, and that's Jesus Christ. Here's the second law of change. To change my life, you might want to write this one down, to change my life, I must change my model. To change my life, I must change my model. I've got to see it a new way. I've got to stop conforming to this old pattern. I've got to, I've got to listen to when Jesus said in 20 times in the New Testament, follow me. Model your life after me. The Apostle Paul six times saying, follow me as I imitate Christ. To, to see change in our life, we've got to change our model do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. So many of us have sought change in our life, and we've and, and maybe the last time we tried to change has been years ago. We've given up, but God is breathing fresh hope and fresh truth into our lives and saying, I am all about that. I am all about bringing change to your life. Why? Because that brings glory to me, God says. That lifts and elevates Jesus and it brings freedom to you. But be transformed. That word metamorphosis, the Greek word for metamorphosis, which happens when a caterpillar changes into a butterfly. You know, most of us have heard that before. And when a caterpillar wraps itself in a cocoon, when it comes out, it's not a better version of itself. It's a whole different animal. It's not... Reformation. It's not renewal. It's not improvement. What he's talking about is radical transformation. But here's the key. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. Positive thinking can't do it. Uh, only God can turn a caterpillar into a butterfly. You know, we can turn over a new leaf. We've heard people talk about that. That's an easy thing to do, but only God can give a new life. How? 
how does He do that? How does He bring and exhibit that new life? He says, by the renewing of your mind. By aligning your life and your mind with me. Uh, Ephesians 4, 22, you might want to write this down. He, Paul says, put off your old self. Put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires. All those impulsive compulsions that pull you the wrong direction. But put off, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires and be made new in the attitude of your minds. And put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And here, you know, here's the simple truth on this. It's saying you got to put off the old before you can put on the new. You got to put off before you put on. Like, you know, if I came up and I said, man, I got you this wonderful coat. Those of you that are wearing a coat, you know, just think about this. If, if I said, I really think you'd look awesome and transformed in this coat. Uh, and you go, wow, okay, what would you do with the coat that you've got on? You take it off. And, and he, he, here's part of this process that God is just saying. Just, we've got to take off. We've got to put off some of this stuff that's going on in our life before we can put on what God's got in store for us. Commit my body to God. Refocus my mind. And then number three. All right, we've got to move fast. Humbly assess my life. Uh, and you might want to put in parentheses by that, you know, my current condition. Humbly assess my current condition. You know, if I were to call you up and, uh, and uh, you were, you, and say, man, I'd love, to come, I'd, love to come, I'd love to come see you. Uh, uh, and, but I don't, know, I don't know how to get there. And you say, okay, I'm going to let this happen one time. I'll let you come see me. Okay, but I, I don't know how to get to your house. Uh, the first question you'd ask me would be what? Where are you? Where are you? I can't tell you until I know where you are. And if I say I don't know, what are you going to do then? You're going to say, well, put it in your Google Maps. Okay, that's where the illustration falls off right there. Okay. <laughs> Because when it, when, it comes to, when it comes to us being able to get to what God's inviting us to, we've got to know where we are. We've got to humbly assess where we are in life. Um, that's the principle of evaluation. Uh, the first and greatest barrier to change in your life and in my life and in any life is P-R-I-D-E, pride. It's saying, you know, I've got a few problems here and I might need an adjustment or two, but come on, I know people that's got a lot more problems than me. Is that, is, is, is that what God just called us to? I think that's, that's saying loud and clear, you need a new model. Because obviously you've used yourself or something in the pattern of this world as your model. And the model that I have is that Jesus says, Be ye perfect, just as my Father in heaven is perfect. You go, oh, I can't do it. Jesus says, follow me. Follow me. Humbly assess where you are in your life. And go ahead and, 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 and take comfort in the fact that everything in this world is broken. You know, everything in this world is broken because of sin. So we're all in the same company. We're all in the same company. And only by the grace of God through Jesus Christ can we have the hope of this transformed life. Praise God for that. But a lot of times we just kind of still justify ourselves and we try to act like we've got all this together. That verse right there says, um, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. And even when you put yourself down, you're thinking of yourself more highly than you ought. That means you're, you're elevating your opinion above God's opinion. When you go, oh, you've just done that. 
Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. I don't know if I'm going to get done here. This is because this one's packed too. It says, be humble. Uh, I heard, uh, I've always heard, be humble or you'll stumble. Be humble or you'll stumble. Just kind of keep saying that in your, in your own mind. You know, I mean, because... Think of your life with sober judgment. Be humble, be realistic. I like the way the New Living Translation puts this. Be honest in your estimate of yourselves. But we kid ourselves, we lie to ourselves. It says be honest in your estimate uh, estimate of yourself. So here's some honest questions that we're going to ask ourselves. Y'all ready? Ready? What are you pretending that's not a problem in your life? What are you pretending that's not a problem? What are you, you know, going, uh, you're kind of skimming over that in your life. Would you ask Jesus, say, Lord, would you show me that right now? Help me be honest with myself. What are you pretending isn't a problem in your walk with God? What are you pretending isn't a problem in your finances? What are you pretending isn't a problem in your marriage? What are you pretending isn't a problem in your health? Wow. Now here's another question. Do you, do I, do you have enough courage to confront yourself about that? Uh, Another way to, to kind of get at it is this. Do you have the courage to ask those closest to you to tell you honestly what needs to change in your life? What you need to change in 2020? Do you have that kind of courage? I mean, to ask those people closest to say, hey, I just want you to be honest with me. I, I, I want you to tell me the truth. I'm doing a self-intervention here. You don't have to do an intervention on me. I'm doing a self-intervention and I need you to help me in this. Why are we afraid to hear that? P-R-I-D-E. We've got our eyes on the wrong model. Nobody will think any more of you than God's already said of you. He said, you're my child. But no, no one will ever say anything lower of you than He said to sending Jesus said you can't do it you never could and you never will apart from me and it's like okay by grace do not think of yourself more highly be humble evaluate your life with sober judgment be honest and realistic in accordance to the measure of faith that God has given you circle that that phrase right there measure of faith the measure, the word measure there is a Greek word for, um, uh, for metric. So it's saying the metron of faith or the measure of faith. The Bible tells us without faith it is impossible to please God. So what we need is this. The measure of faith that I've got, and I need to ask myself, what is the measure of faith that I've got? in order to see the change that God desires in my life. And for some of us, as we look at that, we'll say, well, I have no faith in God for that because I've already given up on that change. I've already said that change don't matter, that these changes are more important. Nothing's more important than what God is revealing to you and me at this moment. According to the measure of faith, do I really believe that I can change? In all the different areas in which God is working in my life, how much faith is it going to take in order for me to grow, to change? Boy, this has been a really convicting message, I tell you, for me. How do we get more faith? What does the Bible say? Faith comes by what? Hearing the Word of God. 
And the more we hear and are exposed and read the Word of God, the more our faith grows. I mean, that's true soul food. My sister cooks physical soul food, but this is soul food. Faith comes from hearing the Word of God. It feeds our soul. It stretches our faith. And why this is so important is because limited faith means limited future. Unlimited faith means unlimited future. And we go, I'm not even looking for an unlimited future. I just want to survive. And God's going... Where did that come from? That's a self-induced direction. That is a prideful decision. Third law of change. I can only manage what I measure. I can only manage what I measure. And this is, this is somewhere I've done a lot of pushback on. You know, you, if you don't measure it, you can't manage it. And so that one of the reasons we don't like to measure certain stuff is because <laughs> then we're going to know. Well, we're just going to know. You know, I don't want to talk about, I don't, I don't want to balance the checkbook. You know, I don't want to do that. I don't want, I don't want to look at my finances. I don't, I don't want to get on the scale. I don't want to get my blood pressure. I don't want to Actually, it becomes one of the, one of the uh, ways that God gives you absolute peace and comfort. I've been going to the same doctor, and a lot of you, Dr. Lay, Dr. Lay, for 25, maybe closer to 30 years. Go twice a year, whether I need it or not. And, but he's taken all of those vitals, he's got all those vitals from day one, and he's got, he's got something to compare it to. And if something begins to get off a little bit, he's on top of it. And if yet so often we, we just we we don't want to get in there and, and and know where we are financially or where we are health wise or where we are, you know, with our relationships. God says, I want you to be honest according to the measure of faith that God has given you. So here's two, here's two practical applications on how we can do that. One, uh, just keep a record of the progress. And that's one of the things that we're doing in, in, in our groups and stuff like that. There's something, a self-evaluation kind of tool over there to kind of... It's a tool. It's not a condemnation and it's not a determination of who you are. It is a tool. So just kind of measure your progress, record it, journal, whatever the case is, ever how you do it. Do it in pig Latin, whatever, so nobody else can read it or find it. It doesn't matter. Uh, second thing is, you know, again, we need to know those starting numbers. We need to know those starting numbers. Financially, you know, you got. I want to get out of debt. Okay, well, we've got to have specific steps. I want to be in better health. We need to have some specific steps. Need to know those starting numbers. So he's saying right there that it's really important that we humbly allow God through His Spirit, never in condemnation, to assess where we are currently. All right, number four. And we're going to hit the pause button. I don't know how I'm going to get all this to you. Get group support. Get group support. This is uh, the principle of cooperation. Um, we will not make the changes that we need to make by ourselves. That's just the way it is. Uh, the Bible says uh, God wired the universe in such a way that we need each other. It tells us time and time and time again, we need community. We get well in community. We get healthier in community. 58 times in the New Testament, the phrase one another is used. Love one another, care for one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, greet one another, share with one another. Oh, it's just... Oh. Somebody said even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. We're not meant to be alone. And yet, that's the pattern of this world. Individualistic and we isolate. Our verse there on, on the outline says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are all parts of His one body and each of us has different work to do. And since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others. Go ahead and do whatever it takes to fess up before God and others like there. Just say, you know, I just kind of like my space and all this, but God built us for a community. 
And the radical, wonderful changes He wants to bring in our life comes whenever we are honest and authentic and vulnerable in community. Principle of cooperation. Cooperating with one another. Fourth law of change. Change requires community. It's not a solo issue. The changes that God wants to bring in my life and your life. We change faster, better, longer, more completely, permanently through community. There's a lot of good, you know, advice, a lot of good self-help books and stuff out there uh, that will help, you know, get us pointed in the right direction, but they won't sustain us. Because we need two things. We need God's power and community. And that's what He's inviting us to experience as we go through this Daniel plan together. His power and the power of community. I'm not even going to let you fill in number five and number six because they're just too good. I'm going to kind of leave you to... Uh, come back and we'll, we'll finish that up and, and catch up so it's more next week. But right now, what I want to encourage you to do is just, just pause, just close your eyes, sit up straight, take a deep breath. And just ask God, just wrap His arms around you to remind you of His love. But to be honest in this moment, say, God revealed to me, am I being prideful? Or if I so, I choose to humble myself before you, my loving Father. Father, is there an area, specific area that you want to bring change in my life? Would you reveal that to me today? Identify that. And then commit to pressing into Him to experience the change that He wants to bring. He's revealed that through His Spirit to some of you this morning. And He wants to remind you that He loves you. And He's not... He is just... He is grateful and, and, and blessing you because, you know what? You've been honest. You've been honest in evaluating, Lord, I need help. I need change in this area. And it may be that you need a new ruler of your life, that you've been the ruler, you've been bowing before your self-sovereignty all your life, and now you know through God's Spirit that He's saying, I love you. But all, all that attitude and all that approach and that mindset and that model, all it's done is bring pain and destruction and I want to breathe life into you. Jesus said, I want to come into you. And I want to forgive you. And I want to make you right with God. I want to make you right with yourself and make you right with others. As He reveals that to you today, just, just, just let God know. Say, God, I need you. And I need your power. And I need community. And I will take the steps that you lead me to take and you reveal through your word that will enable me to experience the abundant life that you have for me. Father, we praise you for uh, your amazing love and for the, just this fresh reminder that you're never done with us, that you're always, always pressing in to bring us to a place of freedom and joy and hope and abundance. 
But Lord, let us come humbly and acknowledge these things before you and even before others as you lead us to do that so that the change that you make in us will bring glory to you. And we make this our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask our guys to come forward as they do. Uh, This is an opportunity for us not to check out, but to continue to press into the Lord and just say, Lord, okay, you, you... this is, this is what you're calling me to do. This, this is something you're leading me to, to be really honest about and that I'm committing to you. There may be something that you want prayer with and, and the way you can be a part of community is by just saying, hey, I'd like, I'd like to talk with a pastor. I'd like to be you know, someone to pray with me about this issue in my life. It's also an opportunity right now for us to worship through our tithes and offerings, declaring... Uh, that yes, that God has blessed us with so much, but now we come giving for His glory and for His kingdom advancement. So let's pray and ask His blessings on that. Jesus, we do thank You for uh, this opportunity to, to, to express these acts of worship through our bodies and also through our mind and our spirit to dedicate our bodies to You Lord, to allow you and your word to just just flush over us that our minds are renewed. That we can experience the transformation that you want. And Lord, we just come also just thanking you for the privilege of bringing these tithes and offerings, declaring our absolute allegiance to you and, and our faith that God, that you're at work in a major way bringing people from all over the world to Yourself. Be glorified through this time of worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Crosspoint Community Church. You can find us on the web at crosspointonline.org. There, you'll find links to our social media accounts. We gather every Sunday at 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Tune in next week.